this podcast, I want to give you a general overview of learning theories in psychology. And this is usually found in an introductory to psychology course in terms of the level of which I'll be discussing. Now, oftentimes when you see the title of this chapter in a psychology textbook, it's usually just learning. And it seems really boring, but I would argue that this is one of the most interesting chapters and possibly most useful for giving you a perspective or set of lenses to view our patterns of behavior. Okay. Um, now, you may recall that the behaviorism perspective was one of the more dominant theories in psychology for quite a while in psychology's history. And there is a reason for that. Because before the advent of brain scans and sophisticated techniques to look inside the brain and the mind that all scientists had to go for at the time was behaviors that we can see. So if you think of the brain as a black box, behaviorists did not want to enter the black box to, because it's too mushy, too vague, uh, too unreliable to be able to study what's inside the black box. So let's study something more objective, which are, which are things that are happening outside the black box, our environment. Maybe there are things that trigger us to behave a certain way, or maybe there are things that we learn by association. So let me go through some basic terms here, and then um, some of these will be discussed in more detail in future podcasts. The word conditioning is another word for learning. So this is the idea that at its most basic level is that we learn from association. Just think about everything you do, not everything, but most things you do on a daily basis. We have an association. Uh, language is all about association. Words are attached to meanings. They're associated. They're together, right? Um, think about uh, going to your kitchen and open the cupboard and look at the different types of glasses and cups you have, right? You would not be drinking milk out of a wine glass or be drinking a cold soda in a mug, possibly, unless you're a struggling student and all you have is one mug. You will drink everything out of that mug. But we have strong associations. Um, if I were to do a classroom demonstration and brought a medical device, a bedpan that's used in hospitals, fresh sanitized out of a bag from the factory, and pour some Coca-Cola in there, right, and then pour and, and, and put some straws in it, and would, would that be something you would want to drink? So that's an example of an association. And if you want to talk a little bit more detail, um, in classical conditioning, oftentimes they use the term stimulus response or SR theory. And the idea is that, uh, well, let me back up. A stimulus is anything that we can notice with our senses in our environment. So something we hear, something we taste, something we see, right? And we create responses out of them. Right? We, re we react to them. So classical conditioning, which are uh, concepts developed by Ivan Pavlov in Russia, and you may have heard of Pavlov's dogs, okay, or the ringing of the bell. John B. Watson, who is credited as being the founder of behaviorism, and he's well known for many things, including doing experiments on infants, including a famous one named Little Albert. And We'll talk about him later, but the basic premise of classical conditioning is uh, things that we learn that are associated with our gut reflexes, okay, our physical reflexes. 
So if you think about a reflex as being startled, I'm recording this podcast in our RV in the driveway, right, just to have a separate uh, recording studio, I guess. And I heard a small sound behind me. And I thought, well, maybe the neighbor's dog got into the driveway and bumped against uh, a little scratching sound. And then when I turned around, my wife was staring at me through the window and I screamed. So she startled me. And, <laughs> and I paused the podcast and recorded over it. But uh, maybe I should have kept the scream. It would have woken you up. And so the idea here is that being startled is not something that I choose to do. It's a reaction. It's a reflex, right? And oftentimes when in the act of being startled, whatever that thing is, that, that stimuli or that stimulus that startled us, it may startle us again. We create an association of fear, right? Um, and that's how we develop phobias, if you think about it, right? Someone who has an extreme fear of a specific situation, like heights, or being in a car, or swimming, or being on a boat, right? Usually an incident had occurred that perhaps was life-threatening. So that level of fear, that reflex of fear was associated with a stimulus, with a, with a situation, and that's something we learned from it. You see this association with our pets all the time, whether you have a dog or cat at home, that you don't need to actually put the bowl of food out and for them to start chewing on the food, for them to get excited, right? Just opening the cabinet door or, or just you coming home and the garage door opening and the dog goes nuts, right? All of these are associations that they know, they've learned over time. Because at some level, as a puppy, a dog doesn't know what it means when a door opens, right? But if they learn over time that that door opening means that you, the caretaker of this pet, is getting a box of biscuits and then those dog biscuits make a sound in the box and even that is a new association right so all of that is called conditioning bf skinner was known for developing operant conditioning okay so this particular theory and students often confuse classical and operant conditioning but try to learn them with a separate mindset because they're very very different operant conditioning the basic premise is that we do certain actions that anything we do that's a that's a proactive action something that we're moving to actually do we only do them because we're reinforced we're somehow rewarded for that behavior uh, when I talk about this more specifically I don't want you to always remember the word reinforcement with reward because it doesn't have to be rewarding or positive in a sense for us to continue doing something. So think about why you brush your teeth, right? Well, you could go inside the black box and say, well, I'm motivated by having clean teeth. I want to have clean teeth. I want to prevent cavities, all of these things, and I'm a clean person. Well, those are things that are inside the black box. These are your attitudes. What about consequences of brushing? What are the actual consequences? Is that your teeth are cleaner? You get a good report from your dentist, right? These are all things that are happening in our, in our environment, right? Or that maybe we're sensing from the feeling on our teeth. Uh, we're able to keep a date after the first date because our breath doesn't smell, right? So all of those things will reinforce the action of uh, brushing our teeth. So if you think about all of our micro behaviors and all of our daily behaviors, 
submitting our taxes on time, right? There's usually a consequence of that action that either will increase or decrease that behavior, right? Um, for example, the other day I'm doing dishes, and I do a lot of dishes. I used to be a professional. And a cabinet door happened to be open, and I did not realize it. And so when I bent over to put some dishes in the dishwasher, and I raised my head, I hit the corner of the open. Now that, that's very punishing, right? That's a consequence of my dishwashing behavior, right? Now it doesn't mean I stopped washing dishes. It just meant that I make sure that that door is closed every time I wash dishes. Right? So I learned from that near injury, right? Um, if someone gives me a praise for doing the laundry, would I be encouraged to do more laundry in the future, right? So our behavior, our systematic behavior, our behavior patterns can be measured this way. In fact, it could be measured from perhaps something that comes before the action, an antecedent, the behavior itself, and the consequence. So you can look at it as the ABC of behavior. Is there something that happens before, perhaps the time of day, then the actual behavior, then a consequence? So maybe the time of day could be around noontime, the behavior is eating lunch, the consequence is that you're no longer starving, right? Um, and so this pattern of behavior would repeat itself. So if you're ever wondering why people do certain things, look for these reinforcements and punishments. In economics, they would call them incentives, right? It's a very powerful way to look at behavior, but it's not the only way, but it's one way to look at our behavior patterns, whether it's a child behaving a certain way, well, what caused Johnny to suddenly become more aggressive in school, right? Did something happen? Did their environment change from week one to week three, right? Uh, why does my spouse no longer uh, show affection or why, why is my child no longer doing chores or doing more chores, right? All of these can be examined through the lenses of a behaviorist and operant conditioning theory. Now, the last one that's usually covered in the learning theories chapter is observational learning. Now, again, put on a whole different set of lenses for this one. And this one makes a lot of common sense is that we learn to do things by watching others. So... It could be watching a YouTube video on how to do this, a DIY show, do-it-yourself project on how to construct a fence in the backyard, right? And then we imitate that behavior. You may notice children love to imitate behaviors, right? They copy. Sometimes they copy good behaviors, sometimes they copy bad ones. But it's not always the case that they copy everything, okay? There are situations where children may see something, but they're not going to repeat it. There are a lot of violent video games out there that young people and some middle-aged folks are playing, but we don't all turn into killers, right? Going out there with our axes and knives and guns and blowing people's heads off all the time, right? So we cannot say that we imitate everything that we see. We do have some self-control and some judgment in between. Okay, so those are the basic learning theories that you'll see in a typical learning theories chapter in an intro to psychology course. There's classical conditioning, learning that's based on our reflexes, associations to our reflexes, like gut reactions or like fear. There's operant conditioning, which has to do with the consequences of our behavior. We act, there's a good consequence, a bad consequence, and maybe it affects our actions in the future. 
Then there's observational learning. We simply learn by watching others, okay? And uh, develop skills that way or pick up new habits. Okay, that's it. This is Dr. C. Thanks for listening. Hey there, thanks for listening to this podcast today. Can you do me a big favor? Um, just so that this podcast gets heard by more students of psychology and other people interested in the field, uh, go to Apple Podcasts and put a little rating there if you like and uh, a brief uh, review, okay? And you can also contact me directly using the links in the description, whether it's Twitter or email, with any suggestions or feedback that you may have to make the show better. And uh, if there are any topics you want me to talk about, I can add them. And if you want to support me by buying me a coffee, the methods are listed in the description as well. Again, thanks and have a great day.